Welcome back to The Highway to Well. Sometimes we find ourselves rudderless and a little bit lost. And in that soul searching, we find people that pull us out and help us reset our drive. For me, that was James Schoenberg, owner of Eternal CrossFit in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. And James and I will talk today about motivation, performance, health, wellness, and of course life, sprinkled with a little bit of Prince. We got our foot on the pedal and we're ready to hit the highway to well. Let's go. pushing these hockey players because it's always it's always I got too much on my plate I got too much on my plate so like been talking to these hockey players and this kid I'm like messaged me this week he's like he's like what do you got going on for the summer he's like man my whole goal for the summer is this and I'm like yeah this this is gonna be great it's like I gotta find exposure <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I got to go get exposed. I'm like, so you're putting yourself in good situations as such to get exposed. Like you're going to camps and you're playing on these better teams, but your plan for the summer should really just be one thing is that bear down and develop and progress, right? That's what your, your plan for the summer should be. And then your exposure will come because that pretty much tells a lot of people if you're not being exposed, right, D-Bone? And I mean, as a coach, as a versatile college collegiate soccer player too, it's just like they'll find you. They will find you. Exposure does not need to be out there. <laughs> I need exposure. I need exposure. I'm putting that as the get exposed on the social media post I'm making. Message of the day. Get exposed. As soon as he said that, I was thinking, Derek, you need to put him in touch with your athlete that wants his distribution. The Amazon box, Ricky this guy, they, I think they can partner up for something. Exactly. Yeah. And so it begins, here we are, on the highway to well, a conversation at the intersection of wellness and culture. Episode three on docket here yes, sir. with James Jernberg. Today is our special guest, James. Yes, hello. It's nice to talk to you all. James is the uh, owner and coach at FitTurnal CrossFit here in Stevens Point. He's a hockey legend. And he embodies, most of all, this quote from Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. <laughs> I also have my Arturo Vidal special birthday t-shirt on today. Barcelona legend, Chilean national team player. He's the only player in Barcelona last week that acted like he was giving a rats in the Champions League. So, God bless you, Arturo. But, James. Yes, my friend, Evel. James, James. Have you ever seen Jacob's Ladder? The movie Jacob's Ladder? I actually haven't, no. You should watch it. See, I won't get into the movie at all. But, in the movie, he talks a lot about angels and demons that are coming in your life. And, I met James, what was it, five years ago now? Yeah. Maybe five years ago? Yeah. And, I was broken. And... I uh, had gotten into long distance and ultra distance running and that occupied my physical needs, my 
my uh, workout needs and giving me my time and space to process life and figure out a lot of different things. So for me, running was this incredibly essential part of my life. It was gave me a sense of fulfillment, accomplishment. It exhausted me and it made me feel like there are a lot of things I could accomplish, run up mountains, enter marathons, ultra marathoning. And I had gotten to a point where I was getting lazy with it and had run a 50K, felt really good. Next year I signed up for same 50K, didn't train as hard, thinking I could mentally get through the trails, started running. It was a glorious, beautiful day. It was a perfect day for running. It was a little humid. And along the way, just I could feel, I could sense this internal struggle going on. And I kept telling myself, don't worry about it. You'll get through this. And I got about halfway into the race and I had been running fairly, fairly fast for myself. So I was a little more physically exhausted than I'm used to being, but I was also mentally so drained and honestly bored with running that uh, a friend of mine was there who, this was down in Milwaukee area and he lives close to there and he was kind of crewing for me, checking on me at every rest stop and it got to halfway and I needed a little bit of time to kind of gather myself and recover. But as soon as I got there and I kind of had made this decision when I'm running in, I see the rest stop area. Like, I think I'm done. And this is, this is at the halfway point. So this is, was this during, this was during one of your ultras, right? Yeah. So this, so was, like this was, this was like two days before I met you. Yeah. All right. Is this the, and then you're saying this is about 25 miles in? Uh, like, no, this was about 16 in. Okay. It was a 32, about 32 miles of running and, and I knew these trails really well. I mean, I it, I was it was a it was a race that I really was felt like I could do. But I get to the halfway point and take my shoes off, and I could feel defeated. And it was the emotional feeling of defeat that just crushed me. And I told my friend, "Let's just go get some dinner. I can get home, get to my family by bedtime," which was a uh, which was a surprise to them because I wasn't supposed to be home until middle of the night or even the next morning based on me actually completing this race. Um, so as I'm driving home, I started feeling this combination of fear and, and, and uneasiness, not just about running, but the place that running fit in my life and worried that if I didn't have this anymore, if I didn't feel the same way about it, then what kind of person would I be because it was so central to my being and, and previous to this race I'd noticed James had opened up Fitternal just down the road from me and I had a few friends that had been doing CrossFit and kept saying oh you should do it and I kept thinking no nah, I'm not sure about that kind of I'm okay right now but when I was driving home I told myself I have to call James and go walk into that building Monday morning because if I don't I don't know how I'm going to feel about my life so I walk in, and I'm looking at this monstrous hockey guy, hair pulled back, and I could, even though he's talking to me, mentally I felt like he was screaming at me, <laughs> which is, I, I think, how I perceive when James is talking softly, it still sounds like he's yelling at me. Yeah, I get that a lot. But he got incredibly excited about me as an athlete and as a person. And got t 
told me I needed to come into his gym, which is a great sales pitch to someone who's obviously standing in front of him who loves athletics but is somewhat mentally broken. And I'm like, okay, I'll come. And I, and I came, and then it took me about, I don't know, 20 minutes of the first session to realize that this was exactly the thing I needed at this point in my life to fill a void that I was really, really scared about as, as, a, as something that was so central to my being. If I wasn't running, I wasn't sure what was I going to do. And there was my angel standing there Thanks, just yeah. waiting for me to be that. here yeah. and, and give me something that I can grab onto and, and start to accomplish for myself. And, and so, James... Man, do I appreciate that. Do I appreciate that compliment, D and every, you know, like D and I train a lot together. And, you know, I, I remember that day he came into Fraternal uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things where um, I appreciate Derek Bell as a, there's, there's multi, multi facets of our, our, our relationship as a friend and as a coach and as a mentor and as an athlete, um, it's just it's just one of those things, D, where you know I look up to you and I I uh, see you out there, and you know as a father figure too, that's a big deal. You know you have a beautiful, beautiful family, and it's just kind of what you know you know you envision society, you envision society what you want to be like when you grow up, and you're 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 a very positive figure in my life. So I just want to thank you too, man. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, well, and my and we know my my wife's the better athlete in my family. <laughs> true, true. All right, yeah, I can vouch for that. Yeah. Oh, hi, hi there. <laughs> we got Bill. We got Bill in here too to make sure that I'm just eating snacks and making sure you, you yeah. don't He's blow up the chewing on a scone over here. That's right. It's delicious. Even though it has a pecan sitting on top. I uh, chocolate chocolate caramel pecan from Mangreen. It was over at Ruby. Nice. Yeah. Isn't that like how everybody is, though, with, like, you're talking, like, I'll go back to my identity as a hockey player, right? So I did that for 35 years of my life, and that's what you just grew up since I was 16 years old. I've always had long hair, and that's what hockey players are supposed to be, is long hair, no teeth, and scarred up. So, like, there's your identity, and where do you go, where do you go from there? You know, so like, what, where do you, where do you go from there? It's just like, you're running the, you sit on that trail and be like, man, I'm kind of, I love this stuff and it mentally tests me, but where do we go from here now? So I think that's a lot of people, either they come into, you know, like fraternal or D one or Stevens point CrossFit or anytime fitness or venture Two Twelve. I think a lot of people are broken with the, you know, the cycle that they're in and us as professionals, that's our job to first and foremost, help them and support them. Yeah, did you, when you were planning and plotting the Open Fraternal, I know, obviously, you know, with your background and the world that you've been around, physical fitness training, fitness training has all been so central to it, but did you expect the the opportunity that you would have with, and, and when I say broken, I don't want to mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. What I mean no, is yeah. that is searching. Someone, how many... Uh, were you expecting the kind of um, the opportunity and the responsibility that you would have to help fix people when you open your gym? Well, it um, so it's kind of a funny story because I came from the corporate background. So, like before I even had a thought about 
opening a communal gym as such as, you know, a performance center or a CrossFit gym that I was in the corporate scene for 10 years before this, where we were dealing with business plans and, you know, like at one time, you know, right now I work with five, 10 people privately, and that's more than enough for me to work on a personal coaching or a private training sector, you know, in a corporate facility, I had 30, 40 people underneath me and we weren't really, you know, communally fit, you know, in a way of communication. I'm not putting anything down in a way of um, saying that's the right way or this is the wrong way. I just wanted more touch with um, people and understanding what they're going through rather than just training them as an exercise uh, fitness specialist. You want to try and help them with, you know, like, mobility and flexibility and mental health and ways of, you know, sticking to your own scope of practice for say. Yeah. Well, and it's one of the things that I found, I guess, one of the things that I've been thinking about lately, I've, I started reading this book called Zucked. It's all about Facebook and about Silicon Valley and, and about the, um, or the phase of startups in, in technology and in, in the tech sector. But what was funny is I'm reading this book I, and I, I thought of CrossFit and, and fitness and how this fate, like CrossFit is blown up as a, as a brand, as a company and as a method and strategy. And then you have all these offshoots of other, other companies or workouts that are trying to Absolutely. mimic some of the things. But what, what I feel, you know, like you're, in, in the fitness world that CrossFit is intentionally trying to do is to be a more wellness focused organization and try to have that bleed into the work that everyone else is doing. And the great thing is there's that opportunity. And I think, you know, we've, James, you and I have talked at length about how difficult that it is to try to encompass the entirety of, of, what we'd like to call wellness lifestyles in the same opportunity that you have on the fitness side when people come to your gym, right. when people come to your to your box there at Fitternal, is to also try to dig into nutrition or try to dig into their stress management techniques or try to help them in other ways. And um, I know we've talked about that. Is there's you, you end up with a, quite a few people that that are your, like your early adopters of those programs, but the greater part of the groups that have come aren't seeking those things out, but they would be so advantageous if they did so in those, in that avenue. But mm -hmm. you end up in this, in the situation where you have people come every day to work out. Um, and then you see them and, and you know that you can do more for them. How did, what, what do you feel like is, those, how do you feel those next steps are going to have to go in order to get more people to pay attention to their lifestyle beyond their fitness training? Uh, so, and we'll, we'll go back, and I like that question. I like that question a lot. We'll go back to CrossFit in general. So CrossFit was established, what, back in, well, it was copyrighted back in 2006, right, Bill? Or it, was, it was actually established back in San Diego in about, like, 97, right? And, like, uh, Glassman was out there, and there's all those gyms out there. I like CrossFit, but all in all, CrossFit 
turned into a competition scene where Glassman didn't like it, right? And now we know what's happening with CrossFit with them laying off people. And did you know they, did you see all the ads or did you see all the social media accounts all seized, right? Yeah, did what? Yeah. I so what's going on with that now? So what, they noticed that this week. I, so, get over there so it's actually recorded. So I read on the morning chalk report, they actually met, they talked with Glassman on the phone. And the reason that happened, because these other groups and Facebook groups that CrossFit is a part of, like the wellness side of CrossFit, these, one of them, I forget, it was like seven-day banting diet. It's a low-carb, high-fat type group. It's got a lot of followers. Their group was just randomly shut down one day by Facebook. Mm -hmm. So Glassman's big thing, and this has happened to a few other nutrition or movement-based groups that CrossFit is a part of, Glassman's big thing is Facebook's this large entity, whereas they're, they're, they are a private corporation, but because they, they service so many people, they are, and then they shut down a group like this, they're controlling free speech, yeah. and Glassman's not big on that. So he, them trying to control free speech is like, you have a responsibility as Facebook, as Twitter, as Instagram to help build up speech, not control it or shut it down based on your biases. So when that happened, he then said, well, we have, because we're CrossFit, we also service a large amount of people. We owe it to our customers to back out of Facebook, to back out of Instagram and take a different approach. So I don't know what that's going to be. But that's what Glassman said. See, and like, that's a great point. And like, and stuff like that, like, I understand, like, I understand the side of uh, free speech and everything as a whole. But as Glassman kind of puts, put, puts himself and his entity into a, you know, um, kind of a, a glass jar as you would say, with some of his antics that they do pull a lot of the times, right? So, like, we were we were thinking, like, too, and that's that's really, I could see that totally where Glassman's like, freedom of speech, we're pulling everything. You don't need to see CrossFit anymore. And what that maybe, like, to me, I love seeing CrossFit because all that's doing is helping, or the, the um, subjects on those CrossFit feeds, such as helping yourself through nutrition or mental wellness or any of that sort of stuff. But I think some of the antics sometimes just get too crazy for me. And that, and that's kind of where like, uh, we'll get back to your question, Dean, like as a whole, where do I see this going from here? I think there's always CrossFit as a whole has really changed their spectrum of, um, competition more into a, CrossFit health base and that's what we thought their reasoning for pulling all those feeds and those social media threads was more or less for they were going to brand they're going to brand something new instead it's going to be CrossFit now it's going to be CrossFit health because in a couple I think a couple uh six eight months ago after uh Glassman laid off all those um media people I think they were going more towards the health side so that's I thought the reasoning was but um, some of the antics that gets pulled in CrossFit are, are what they are and that's okay. Um, do I feel that there's always going to be a need for that? Absolutely. I think the sport of CrossFit is, if you watched the Rogue Invitational last week, like the OGs of CrossFit were there. Matt Chan, one of my favorite, favorite OGs of CrossFit was there. I mean, 
he doesn't even do competitions anymore. All he's really about is just the lifestyle and, and helping people understand that CrossFit is an entity, but it's more about a healthy lifestyle. And as I do see this rolling in effect, because CrossFit is going to be around and it's going to stay around. Do I believe in the regionals and uh, the CrossFit Open and now they have sanctioned events? They can do whatever they want with their stuff. But as a whole, everybody, somebody's always going to want to be the fittest person in the world through their eyes, you know? Or so, second fittest to Matt Frazier. Or second fittest to Matt. <laughs> That's what it is now. Man, he just walks on. He was just a beast. Yeah. So as like that in the health and wellness perspective, I think it gives a great opportunity for a great population to do what they love to do. You yeah. Know? Well, and, and I'm going to tie this back into what CrossFit has created, uh, the opportunity CrossFit as a brand and as a, as a workout and as a popular, um, popular place for people to go and exercise and learn more about their physical fitness. But one of the great things, and, and I know you do some work in this is in, Really, the core, and, and for the most part, a lot of the people that come and visit your gym are people that are in need of learning a little bit more about their functional movement. Absolutely. And tying that back into wellness, what what I'm discovering on the, on the corporate side for building wellness programs for companies that try to make an impact in health and, and some of their cost is that the best wellness program that we've designed, been a part of, and has been a program that is actually at its core a functional movement screen. And what we do is, is we've taken that functional movement screen and we've used that as the template. And we use that template to then build an individualized program for someone to take and to learn a little bit more about what their capabilities are and then also areas for improvement. And for a lot of people, that means some basic core strength movement or something that, that um, involves maybe some impingement or some something that's with their body that doesn't allow them to move the way they want to move. And that's why they stop exercising. Or that's why they don't want to exercise is because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel right. And it, we start there. And what's, what has been amazing, and, and I've spent a lot of time working on every kind of wellness program from weight loss competitions to nutrition education and stress management, men's health programs. But the finest program that has continued to prove success has been this program that where we use that functional movement screen. And then we have people come in multiple times a year to continue to assess them to see how far they're coming. And in between then, them we're giving them workout programs so that they can learn more about some areas where they can improve. And then and, and people like that. They like the individualized programming, but it isn't just the individualized program. It's the fact that it's based on principles that mean something to them. And then we can tell them, yeah, we know you want to run a 5K or a 10K or a marathon, but let's start with some core work first because that's going to help you as an athlete. And, and when we help you as an athlete, by the way, we also, when you eat a little bit better, when you manage your schedule a little bit better, you make this a priority, there are so many other things that come along with your overall health and well-being. Um, and that's something that yeah. CrossFit, I know Glassman you know, has been talking about this in, in the industry, is something that this is a real critical piece, and I know he's gotten 
deeply involved with the medical community about improving um, health risk and, and mitigating health risks through yeah. CrossFit, which is one of those entry points for a lot of people, but it just has made a lot of sense. And I've seen it on our end where we have a program that's based off functional movement screen. We have people that are decreasing body fat, body weight, and getting off their blood pressure meds and, incre and increasing their cardiovascular ability in just a, a very short period of time. But the good thing is that they're, they're sustaining these benefits in their health, which is one thing that wellness programs traditionally don't do. Mm -hmm. A lot of times that if, if people lose a few pounds through their wellness program, they usually gain it back. And with this type of programming, we're finding people are keeping it off. And a lot of that's due to that movement. That That's exactly, I mean, like, as a, as a whole, you, like, people get into the health and wellness scene. I'm going to set a goal for 30 days, and I'm going to try and lose 10 pounds in those 30 days, right? As soon as those 30 days are over, and it's like, well, where do I go from here? You know, and that, that's normally what it happens. Um, it's really nice. It's nice to give people structural feedback through, you know, such as, like you said, Derek, your functional movement screening, where a person has, you know, lordosis of the shoulders and, or, you know, rounding of the shoulders and giving them specific exercises to help them be more comfortable in a functional state. That's kind of, you know, like, that's a big, big deal for the majority of our population. What, in, what incapabilities do we have in our body rather than just the fat that sits on our body, you know, because my dad worked labor his whole life and I go back and I ask him to, you know, like he's been putting chainsaws and throwing logs of wood around the back lot for years. And then you go and ask him to put his hands over the top of his head and stack joints from wrists all the way down to ankles. And it's an incapability. And those are just functional movements that we want to be comfortable with rather than always trying to fight shoulder pain. I'm sure you hear this one all the time, Bill, too. And Derek, where it's like, it's like, man, I can't do those movements. And you're, we're talking about a press or we're talking about a bench press. And well, what's the reason for those movements? And a lot of people are like, well, when I was a senior in, uh, college or I was a senior in football, I was, I was, I had a terrible shoulder injury, right? So, well, how old are you now? Well, I'm 42 years old now. Well, we've been dealing with this for the last 20 years of your life. We want to make sure that you feel more comfortable and you're gaining and withstanding, uh, you know, work all day or sitting in a, a chair behind your computer screen, or just as long as you're functionally comfortable. That's what we're more or less worried about rather than being like, all right, in six months from now, you're gonna be just like Rich Froning, and uh, you're gonna have biceps like Briggs, and we're gonna just be, that's not what this whole life is about, you know? It's just kinda, in a way is, I, I honestly, and this is my methodology to training, I rip my hands. You know what that does? That puts me out a couple days from doing pull-ups. So what I do is I have a methodology where it's I live to train another day. And that's what it comes down to. <laughs> really. <laughs> I might, you know, You're it might monster. go hard, but I'm going to try and train tomorrow with all my might. So, Well, in, a, in a getting back to that, you know, early we were talking about, you know, how I found you. But what... What is remarkable about 
the environment like that you have, and it isn't just a CrossFit environment. I mean, look at the expansion and the popularity of, of adventure races of any kind, mm -hmm. um, and things like your Tough Mudders and your Spartan races, and the and the amount of people that are getting into those. And I think we can't underestimate the volume that the volumes that that speaks about the this existential journey for our soul's core. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, these these things, there are the elite athletes that the athleticism in trying to be the top of whatever game or win first and all these things, those matter. But that is such a very, very small percentage of the people Absolutely. that you have for the most part. And this is, this is, and there's a lot of people, you know, running went through a phase like this where a lot of people started running marathons as that is my that is my soul's journey is to run a marathon. I need to do this to complete. I need right. to prove to myself I can do this. And and I think for for a lot of people when they're doing that, they're doing it for the physical benefit. But there's also a, a there's an emotional need that's being fulfilled by that. And now you see this transition over the past few years from from that to these other types of races and other types of adventures. And even the expansion of the amount of people that are doing ultra marathoning like yeah a marathon is no longer enough for a lot of people it's what other type of adventures you can have Whoa. there's no way that this is just about physical fitness there's no way that all of this the amount of people that are doing this are doing it just to be a little fitter or look better in their clothes or right. whatever whatever superficial reason or physical fitness reason that they're thinking about there's something there to their soul's core and and that's when we when we start talking about how broken people come and expect you to help them along the way. That's a heavy responsibility. Absolutely. That's a heavy responsibility. So I like, and again, we're not talking about broken, broken. We're just talking about people that have lost their path in a little way where they want to better themselves in, you know, either a physical fitness sort of way or a mental health sort of way. But the way I look at that D. And this is really, and I get myself into a lot of trouble. And I, I get <laughs> right, myself. Now, now, now we're getting now deep. Now we're getting deep. Now, right? I'll tell you a little bit. Not only by my wife. for you to say <laughs> right? you're getting yourself in trouble. Not only by my wife, but I get in trouble by my best Sorry, buddies. Jess. Yeah. I get in trouble by my best buddies. I get in trouble by mass populations because I, I want to live my life every single fucking day. Like, it's my last. And I don't mean to say that, and I get emotional with this, but I watched my dad go through a quadruple bypass surgery, and the shit was crazy. Mm -hmm. And I've never seen my dad like that. And, like, I still imagine my day, my dad to this day, like, and this is no joke, as the Incredible Hulk, right? Shirt off, ripped pants, just busting biceps, and run through a wall <laughs> if I asked him to. And that's what I want to be for Oz, right? For my little one, too. But... When you see your dad in a state of a quadruple bypass surgery where he's unconscious and he has, you know, tubes down his throat and he's not in control of himself, it really changes you. It changes you in a way of less is no longer suitable for me. It will never, ever be suitable in my life anymore. And when I have parents that come up and tell me about, you know, like, uh, we want Johnny to take the summer off, and but we know Johnny's going to be a great hockey player or Johnny's going to be a Division One athlete. There is only a time frame 
that Johnny's going to be able to do that. And I mean that in the best sort of way. You know, anything that we're doing, and I, I mean that like physicality-wise, I mean Johnny should always try and achieve his or her, her dreams as a doctor or a dentist or anything in that sort of way. Anybody can do anything they want if they put their mind and mindset together. And that's what I'm trying to say about this whole uh, experience with my dad at the Rochester Mayo Clinic. I knew from that day forward that there was never going to be less was going to be enough for me. I just knew that I was going to run this life as hard as I could run it until the day that I, I don't or am not here anymore. In, in the ways of getting in trouble, well, sometimes I just do things too fast in my family realm or sometimes... <laughs> I get called a hero on the hockey ice because I, I just love getting, exerting, being competitive. Like, where else can you be competitive anymore? Like, in the job realm, we're competitive. In the, in the CrossFit gym, like, I don't want to be competitive in the CrossFit realm, but, like, nature sells. Like, you know, like, you're not trying to be, but my best buddy, one of my best buddies, just clean and jerk 315. I'm like... Man, I got to get there, or you got to get there. You know, like, you just, that's the nice part about being around productive, optimistic, um, very full-hearted people is that you care about people and you want to grow with them. That's what that more or less comes down to. And that's more or less where my heart's at, D. You know, like, I'm going to push you. Sometimes I push people in the wrong way, and... I listen to podcasts of Jocko Willick and Guggins and Bergeron and everybody. And you know what? They all they all make mistakes. Bergeron told me one time that he had pizza in his gym and somebody was eating right in front of me. <laughs> Took the whole pizza and threw it against the wall and let it drop in the trash. He's like, probably not the best <laughs> way of doing that, you know? So, like, it's just you're we're all along for this ride. And I just want to make the most out of it. Well, you touched on so many different things there and, and you know at the core I think that there is the resiliency is a really hard word to define a path to knowing you have it or can get to it but but your experiences with your family and your father to it helped you in a way, reflect on your own resiliency and then put a plan forth about a mantra in a way that you want to live. And that is what that is what attracted me to come see you and to make you central to my life is that I felt like I had lost that. I mean, I used to Go and I and I surrounded myself. In, so there's a couple things that you're talking about too, and you're talking about surrounding yourself with people who make you better. And my closest friends were all runners or soccer. Play, like we all have this common thread, but we we're also um, one of my closest friends and I. We would just go run 10 or 12, 15 miles on a week, and we'd find trails and just go hit them up and just go out and. We're not burning through these trails, I mean, you know, but we're out for the experience of running it. So when I got to that point where I, I really hated, I hated running. I hated running and I was scared about losing that. And then 
that was a dark place. I mean, that was, you know, it was a, it was a difficult place. I want to say dark, but it was a difficult place because I'm thinking if I don't have this for the rest of my life, this safe place for me to work my life out, like what, where else am I going to do? And so you're surrounded by people on a daily basis that are searching for something and something to help change them. Mm-hmm. And the gym, you know, for me, the gym, the physical part of it was just one element. And the challenging part of that was absolutely outstanding for me. I needed, and I still need, my my overhead squat is the worst overhead squat. And thankfully, when I go to the gym, I'm in like my own division. There's, I'm in, I'm in the old man scale soccer coach division. I am usually the only one in my division there. So I'm competing against no one. So I feel pretty good about that. But when you see people change, what is it? When you see people actually make a change in the people that you've been working with, what is the change you see in them? It's it's insane. It's not even like all right. So here's a great and I and like I don't do this a lot because even like it's 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 these things are hard for me. Like when I take pictures, I swear to gosh, I'm I'm like one of the most weird, weird, weirdest. I've seen. Pictures. Yeah, I'm like weird. Like I'm not photogenic <laughs> at all. Like there's pictures back when I'm like in, in a hockey. When pictures. you're sweating and lifting stuff, you look I, great. Yeah, I'm good. Like that way, but your hockey mock, uniform, <laughs> mock pictures. Like, all right, smile, James. It's like, oh, that's you look like a gremlin there, man. You know, like <laughs> one, two, but I, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things. It's hard for me to get out there and throw things on the social media and throw things threading wise, but like. As a whole, is like we, we, we posted one yesterday, and it's not so much even I can go up to people and, and you know, see the difference in them in, in a million different ways. We can talk emotionally and physically and, like, social-wise. But on Saturday when we had Harley Strong and I had a father come up to me and honestly break down and cry to me about how his daughter has changed so much over the past six months of just being active. I'm, I'm saying like there's so many great stories that happen, not only in Fraternal, but with Bill and with yourself, Dee, and with everybody else that they need to be out there. Um, but this father came up to us, Chelsea and I, and he broke down and he said, I just want to say thank you, and we love what you did with our uh, our sib our our our, uh, our child, and we can't thank you enough. And it's not so much what you do for the individual; it's for what the individual does to everybody else in their life. And I, I mean that in the best way because if you can make that individual feel better, move better. Uh, their family is going to see a difference emotionally, physically, energy, you know, it just, that's the realm that really gets me going is, is that it's not real hard to make physical change. It's the mental aspect of really putting your head together and doing it and then seeing the outcome around it, because I'll say it and I'll say it and I'll say it. I say this all the time. Chelsea will literally tell me to get to the gym because I haven't worked out in three days and I'm starting to get weird. And I'm not <laughs> lying about that. Like, you just start getting weird. Like, um, 
Just three days? Three days. Three days, yeah, probably. <laughs> a couple 36 hours. hours. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got a 24-hour rule. <laughs> so it was just kind of like, you, you just want to, you know, emotionally and physically invest yourself into bettering yourself. And that's kind of, you know, what we like to see. Yeah, well, and one of the things, and Bill, and I've talked about this at length too, and, and you, you embody this. And, and this isn't always the case with coaches and this isn't just in the, in the fitness realm, but I mean, I see this as a soccer coach. I see this as someone who's surrounded by coaches of other sports is there's kind of, there's, there's multiple ways, but the two, two, I think most global ways that coaches view themselves is someone that's going to fix someone or someone that's going to help someone fix themselves. And you can really draw a line and, and then all of the other behaviors and all the other methods of coaching fall into kind of like these two big camps of people. Mm-hmm. And I have rarely found a coach that fixes people, have any success or last long or actually help people. They usually turn people away, disappoint people and cause more issues than what, Absolutely. Than what the person's starting with. But, but and your, your role and this is why I think people come to you and you've had success and with adults, with kids, with families, is that you don't let you don't fix them. Like, you know, you could have easily said to me when I walked in, like, here, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do this. And you were very gentle with me, but you were every every time I did something new, you were right there behind me saying, Yeah, I knew you could do it. I know you can do it. And mm-hmm. That helped me figure out my own path in this big journey, and I didn't. And then I stop. And then and, and I don't have to worry about how you're going to help me today. I say, like, how am I going to help myself? And you're just a facilitator for that. It's it's crazy, dude. And that's yeah. As a facilitator or a coach, and you don't even have to have the you know. You're looking for just good, positive people. You know what I'm saying? As a whole, in a way of to influence, but like. Um, here's a great one for you. It's like you can't influence people that don't want to be influenced. So while I was in you know the big corporate scene for a long time, we would work with people, and the main concern is bring them through, bring them through a you know a, an evaluation, kick their butt, make sure they know that they're not in good shape, and that's how the business model is going to work, right? And then we're going to sell all this personal training, and we're going to go from there. It does not work that way whatsoever, whatsoever, because you cannot change people that don't want to be changed. It just cannot work. And that's that's one of the biggest things that you can sell people on all day long, where it's just like, you got to make the right choices here. you got to start the program here, and this is going to work for you, I promise. Well, the worst thing that you could possibly do to anybody in this field is promise them something, because it's up to them. It really is. It's up to them mentally, physically, you know, like, and we have a great saying and we'll go back to the CrossFit or we'll go back to functional movement and CrossFit is for everybody. Everybody isn't for CrossFit, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I mean that in the best way possible, but what's going to make you better is your mental capacity. Cause if you're mentally, you, you have mental capacity, you're going to be able to, achieve things that you never thought that you were going to achieve in your life just by trying things new or stepping outside your box or 
you know, working a little harder. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, that's my biggest thing. Anything that I wake up in the morning and I'm just saying is my biggest thing is like, I think to myself right away, are you mentally tough? Like I literally, I'll wake up at like, I was you standing right in front of the mirror. Right now, no, like, this is like mentally laying right tough. next to Oslo and my <laughs> wife in her bed and it'll be three 30 in the morning and you wake up and be like, damn, it's Monday. But are you mentally tough enough to deal with this Monday? You know, and like, I'm just kind of putting that into perspective of everything that we do in life. Like, life is not easy. No, so. no. One of the best presentations, one of the best speeches I ever heard, there was this um, presenter we brought in to do a keynote speech at the National Wellness Conference, uh, Anthony Campolo. And he was Bill Clinton's spiritual advisor right in the middle of the, the bad stuff. Crazy. <laughs> so he was sitting in just he and Hillary and Bill in a room talking about Bill's behaviors yeah. and how 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 are how as a family are you going to get through this and it's probably his he probably saved that relationship so he's a brilliant man but he's also he he comes from um faith and so a lot of his a lot of his speeches involve using um storytelling from the bible or religious you know talking a lot about religion and but he expands that message for everyone. And that's, that's one of the great things I appreciate him is his message is broad-based and anyone can understand it. You know, but he's, he's talking about the stories of our redemption and how as troubled as we are, it may be Friday, and he uses this, this, this theme often, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. So he talks about the struggle, talking about all the things that are going on that could possibly destroy you in your life or your family. And your work and how awful everything is, but Sunday's coming. And how do we get this? How do we get to Sunday through the darkness of Friday when Jesus, you know, when Jesus died and was put into, into his, into his tomb. And then he rose on the third day on Sunday. You know, it's a story of Jesus, but it's a story for all of us. Mm -hmm. We walk into play, we walk into a gym or we walk into our job or we wake up and it could be dark, and there could be a lot of things going on. But do we have the things around us to help us get to Sunday is the critical part of all of it. And that's, that's the soul's journey to finding that, that wellness. And you're in the role of facilitating that. And I appreciate that out of you. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. I really do. It's, uh, it's, uh, it, it is really around, like, we'll go back to it again, and it is really around what what circles around you and who supports you, just like you said. I mean, like, there's no way ever that I could do this, you know, without my my wife, first and foremost. So, I mean, like, uh, she... Props to Chelsea. Yep, props to Chelsea. Um, She's the anchor. She is the anchor. <laughs> Keep your steady ship at bay. Yeah, I just like literally <laughs> count my blessings. I really do. They're uh Yeah. I never even thought that I would ever have what I have. You know, and I'm just <clears throat> being truthfully honest, like with a, a child or a son. And it it is. It's just really, really, really surreal life. It's a surreal life and in Every day that I can wake up next to him is the best day of my life. And that's really where it goes and comes from. Absolutely. Jeez. Yeah. It's awesome, awesome deal. I have a question for you. Yeah. What is your go-to song? 
Ever? Yeah. Ever. Okay. What, what is your go-to when you're when you're having a bad day or you need to get fired up about something? What do you go to? So it just came like this goes back to the days, man. And I'm telling you, all right, it's got to be Ice Cube. And it's got to be today was a good day. I didn't go where I was expecting. <laughs> no, you didn't. Not at all. No, even a little. Oh, no, oh, yeah. that's, there is not a single guitar in that song. No, I go Ice no. Cube today was a good day. Oh, man. I don't know. Like, it's, yeah, we're, uh, yeah, I don't know what I was expecting. Yeah, what, what were you guys going with this song? I don't know. I think no? it's the highway to well. We're here to talk was, about culture, yeah, music, maybe. wellness. And that, I don't know. That explains that. I love that question because it tells me a lot about someone. Yeah, <laughs> really. We gotta figure you out. Though. Yeah. So, like that question, I was like, I just like we we grew up in such an interesting time, D, and like Bill, you're you're totally along with it. It's, it <laughs> is. I mean, I'm you the tail end of it. Yeah, you're <laughs> the tail end of it. Picking, like, picking up the slack, <laughs> like all the mess. I'm like, that is <laughs> true. Just Bill's the caboose. Bring <laughs> I've got to get running, but uh, I wanted to. Can I steal it? Because the so what what James was talking about this bill again. I don't want to break this thing, but kind of what you've both been talking about and what James is talking about about um, creating an environment, the culture of the gym, the different gyms, and Stephen's point. uh, We need all of these centers of people who are. Who give a shit? Who are helping people? Who are passionate? James has got his story. I've got mine. CrossFit Stevens Point has their story. Anytime has their story. All of these places have a story from the coaches, the people that make up the facility, the athletes, the members, and so it's it's creating these little epicenters of passion of culture that draw people in the area because you know you're going to draw the people that are near you, and those people are going to create this awesome culture at Fraternal, and then they bring their friends, and it keeps growing, and we keep. We keep creating this, like, like Stevens Point's beautiful. I mean, we all know beautiful, that. We, beautiful, we love it right. from from the, the outdoor access we have to the people that make it up. For whatever reason, it's got to be something in the water. But we all kind of push the boundaries of what's possible. Like, think about the people in our gyms. Uh, so just the story you were talking about, um, you kind of glossed over it. But when I read it this week, I love reading these, like, all the success stories from the gyms and the one from, I'm going to read it from my point of view. So, this weekend a father came up to James to express his gratitude. Through tears of pride and appreciation, he shared how his daughter has struggled and lost all confidence in recent years. But everything changed after coming to Fraternal. Though losing 35 pounds is worth celebrating, he was especially thankful to witness the transformation of his adult daughter. So, this is where we're talking about thriving. Mm-hmm. Not surviving, thriving. Right. Confidence, character. And he, his, the quotes in here, what you do here has changed her life. And that's, I believe in that. I know James believes in that. Derek believes in that from soccer coaching to working out to whatever it is we do to help people like that. I mean, I love reading these, so keep sharing them. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, every, every facility where we're doing what we're doing has these stories and it's beautiful and we can get those out. We're hopefully going to bring more people in because, you know, your your coaching style much different than my coaching style, much different than Derek's coaching style. But we all sure. we're all sharing a passion for coaching and improving. And we what I love about it is we're trying to be the best coach we can be, not 
the coach that the other person is. Does right. that make sense? Like we all we all have our voice. We all have kind of what drives us, and we know we can help people. And certain people, wherever they are at their kind of their journey, they're going to gravitate towards one of us. Mm-hmm. But because the three of us are giving a shit and pushing what we do, like we're going to be able to provide the best level of coaching for them, for the people that gravitate towards us. Absolutely. So I've, I mean, I've, you know, I've talked about this, I think on the podcast and many times it's just, we need all of these facilities pushing that boundary, raising the bar, mm-hmm. being, being the best version of ourselves. So when people walk in the door, they're like, yeah, this place is awesome. Or this place is great. But it wasn't for me, and then I can say, like, this is another great facility. Maybe check out this place. Maybe they have what you need. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just love what you're doing. And Thank you, Bill. Yeah, I appreciate you. you. I really do. I love what you're doing. You're a great, great... Uh, Derek, don't break anything once I leave. ...advocate <laughs> for the whole scene here. And that's... Thanks, uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. Harley Strong, we're going we're gonna to blow it up that's at the Amber's Fair. That's money. Thanks, All right. bro. Later, dudes. Have a good weekend. See ya. Enjoy camping. I will. Tell Django hello. I will. Later, guys. <laughs> See you. Yeah, I think, Bill, you know, I think one of the things I can tell you, when I I knew I wanted to be a coach at an early age, and, and I'm not sure how you felt about that, you know, too, as an athlete. Like, all of us that come from sports, I guess we either see ourselves as the actors in the sport or we don't care about it, we don't think much about it, or there's people like us who say, and someday I, I want to I want to be a coach, mm-hmm. but what I and and when I started coaching, I, I also quit playing high school soccer because of my environment, um, because a lot of negativity around me. So and my environment was highly competitive, but it was also incredibly challenging, and it was poor on the mental health end for the kids I played with. And there were a few of us that all of us kind of took a break from soccer or kind of left that environment and went into, went and kind of rerouted our paths. And we all kind of ended up back together by the time we graduated high school. And It's like toxic. Yeah, it was a very toxic, toxic environment. Right? But when I started coaching, I made, I wanted to make sure that I didn't replicate. Like I, I took the skill training, the technical training that I had gotten. I was blessed with these incredible trainers. But I completely went a different route as a coach and as a as a facilitator to help kids make change. I and and I feel like that is something that is that is um, incredibly important to all of us. And when you start talking about getting people to thrive, it's the thriving happens when you let them own their journeys, mm-hmm. and that's that's the role that we got to be in. Absolutely. That's the role that we got to be in. Absolutely. And that's exactly what Bill just said. You know, like not everybody's program is one fits all, you know, like it's like you're here to help people along with their journeys. And if you're not helping them, your best bet would be to get somebody to help them. In our facility, a lot of times, like we have to, have to, have to be reminded constantly that we are not a doctor, that we're not a physical therapist, that we're not an athletic trainer. Right. We want to we want to always constantly be in our scope of practice. Okay? And that doesn't mean that like that scope of practice is that we can't help people and support them, you know, like because that's what we want to do. It just means that you can't be a doctor because you're not a doctor or you can't be a 
um, physical therapist because you're not a physical therapist, but the realm is more or less is like you're a coach because you want to support people and you want to help people. And I don't mean that as just like uh, the adults because our, our, our students are you know, our young adults and our teenagers really, really, really need us right now in this time of uh, this society. Just with everything that's happening and evolving. Tell you the truth, D. Tell you the truth, D. I uh, never wanted to be a coach. I actually hated coaches growing up. <laughs> yep. And this, I've is actually, a, this is a hockey culture this thing. This is a hockey culture thing. And we can actually get into this a little bit because I know when you and I have talked about this. And the hockey culture is a very, very, very fucking disgusting thing. It's gross. Okay. And you probably know it within your soccer culture also because I'm sure it's there. It's the chauvinistic, male chauvinistic side, right? Mm -hmm. I can't. I can tell you, you're like you, you were initiated somewhere. Mm -hmm. My initiation at one of the schools that I played at was to get absolutely, completely naked in front of our whole organization. That meant athletic trainers. That meant massage therapists at a party, and you could bring whatever shoe you wanted, and you would have to get on your knees while everybody in the organization, in a circle, got around you, and they hit you in the butt with a tennis shoe or a sandal, or a steel-toed boot if they wanted to bring it, okay? But that's the disgusting part of as the culture. I know we're kind of getting away about it, but, like, the culture that we see within us coaching or us trying to um, motivate the young to do the right thing, the, the student-athlete to get good grades and to work hard rather being subjected to be a part of a culture that's toxic yeah and that's well what i mean was. i think yeah and we could go we could devote an entire whole segment on just the rituals and and some of the things that have have gone you know they haven't gone by the wayside we understand that they're they're still and, and there's a part of ritualism that is going to always be there but then the, the amount of hazing and the amount of the amount of just incredibly horrible cultures of sport right. you know in sport is because you collect people and they're together all the time and there's control mechanisms there it, it emphasizes a lot of bad things and exacerbates poor poor leaders are allowed to be even poor leaders in those settings because they're controlled environments that that are um, that have little oversight and thankfully I, I feel like we're in this era of discovering the depths of how awful that is, but yeah. we're also seeing an incredible <clears throat> amount of energy and I think positivity in in that we as coaches as a, as a large group of people who have similar interests in helping people, no matter what field or discipline we're in, that our jobs are about creating environments to facilitate healthy growth and development. Mm -hmm. And that has been out in the forefront of a lot of the work that you know that I've done and we've done together with right. training the youth in mod in us as role models and understanding. I think you know obviously in athletics for the longest time, performance determined your culture. And, and what I mean by that is you could do anything you wanted if you were winning. And there's still places where that's still allowed, but we're recognizing that that isn't that is not the path 
right. to success. And, and we're working together and all of us coaches who care about that are getting together more to talk about this and put it out in the forefront of our conversations about how do we take care. And a lot of that ties into this other whole stream of opportunities for us to talk about mental health and about mental health as a as a part of performance in a certain kind of setting and how healthy it is for us to be discussing these things and it's been rewarding on my end as a as a, as a coach in, in soccer in, in my field to hear these discussions going on these discussions weren't going on Never. years ago yep. and now That's they're great. they're on every agenda at every conference and every meeting we're talking about the the creating a healthy environment for players to succeed and talk to them about performing and that performance isn't just goal scoring but it's the path to create a player that knows how to do something in that moment and resiliency and and in facing challenges and being tough and that take a step back what does that mean you know in in that gets back to our core of what what people love about coming to see you every day or multiple times a week is you have you foster an environment where everyone feels welcomed, everyone feels like it's theirs too. They're owners of the experience. It is. And you yeah. can't take that away. That is that is rich and that is that is exactly why um, it, why you, you see change. I the fraternal appreciates that D and I can't honestly it is literally about yourself. It's about our wonderful, wonderful coaches, the time and the dedication that they put into becoming more experienced and knowledge, knowledge fulfilled. Um, and really what it comes down to more than anything, people care about each other. And that's what we want. Like I care about you and your family and I want to watch your little ones grow up and be successful. And I think in our society, that's what Stephen's point is all about. And I come from St. Cloud, Minnesota and believe me, St. Cloud, Minnesota is a big, population of people who pretty much do their own thing. You know, it, it doesn't have any connectivity like it does in Stevens Point. And there's nothing, I'm not taking anything away from St. Cloud. And I love St. Cloud. It's just that Stevens Point is just a beautiful, beautiful population of different people who want to be successful and optimistic and care about each other. So, I mean... As a whole, I couldn't, you know, I just am very, very fortunate to be living in such a great scene and uh, surrounded by a mass population. Well, I think we're learning. I think, I think we're learning. And obviously this isn't, this, this isn't new, but the depths of that social fabric that people create together to build healthy communities, lifestyles, and, and for themselves, their, um, their own pathways to wellness are usually um, the contributors to that aren't just themselves, but it's the people that they're surrounding themselves with. And so places like yours are, are the, are the cornerstones of this movement. And for years we've talked about isolation and, and when we see the combination of isolation and depression, and when we see um, the risk fact, the health risk factors that are involved with, with these issues on a large scale and start looking at larger populations of people and, there's been um, there was a great book years ago about bowling alone about how people's being separate from each other and being in isolated settings it creating a lot of 
ill ill societal issues or health risk issues and and through various studies we've seen time and time again that that people that people will there are two things that I think we've really learned one is that people will follow people and the key is are we putting people in situations where they're learning healthy behaviors from other people and so we've moved away from isolated environments and and in, in other settings, whether that's at like a school or community or, or educational setting or corporate settings, we've moved away from um, hierarchical um, right. organizations per se yeah. to more matrix or flattened organizations in groups of people that help each other in teams and yeah. teamwork has been a focus. And, and that is, it's, that, that's challenging. We're, there's so many different issues in learning how to be a good team member, but but... It I feel, I feel like we're on a good path here, and, and, right. it, and it's due in large part to a lot of, a lot of different avenues, and, and you're speaking on behalf of one area and, and, and a central area of the community. The, the amount of interaction and community development that comes out of your building is amazing to me, and the amount of people that, that even I cross paths with, that I cross paths with in other areas to build community, it's, it's rich to see, and, and, it, and it gives us a time and place to be together, work together and have fun and and learn about ourselves in a safe environment, which is which ultimately is the key, is having safe environments for people to grow. A safe, yeah, that's exactly exactly it, Derek. It's a it's a safe environment for people to grow and be optimistic. Uh, because and I, I you bring up a great point with that. We've had F Eternal, we have an awesome, beautiful outstanding community of diversity. Um, we have, I mean, as a whole, we have the best athlete and we have, a, you know, a beginning athlete. And we honestly just want people to be active and move. And that's what this is about. It's not about more or less like, oh, you can't do an overhead squat or you can't do a squat snatch. It's I know not, I can't do an overhead squat. It's, it's not about that. <laughs> It's not. It's more or less you just want to make sure the culture fits the climate. And I mean that in the best sort of way. And that's kind of kind of like a little Dr. Seuss there rhyme and reason. But like we've had people in fraternal, like, and you can attest to this, like we have people we've had people in fraternal that come in there and it's I'm the best athlete in the world. And you know, like this is the way it's gonna be. And literally we've said to those athletes, like, you can't come here anymore. Why? Because you're screwing people up. You're screwing people up. Why? You're making um, Sarah in the corner not feel adequate. You know, like you're lifting 600 pounds. She's lifting 10 pounds. She's doing a better job than you're doing because you're being a fucking asshole. You know, like that's what it's about. And that's what it's not about, you know. Or um, CrossFit a lot of times gets, and we're not the typical CrossFit box where like a lot of the boxes like you go into a crossfit box and you'll see a a lot of people ripping off t-shirts or wearing scantily clad outfits while they work out it is just fine to uh take off your t-shirt during a workout that's great but when you're in those situations to influence other people within the facility as being scantily clad or there's no room for that in the fitness realm either. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's culture and making people feel comfortable, which is key 
without that, then you don't have all the other things. So yeah, you, it's just, yeah, more or less than all you're really trying to do here is just make sure people are comfortable to where they feel good about themselves. And we progress through, um, their successes. We're wrapping, we're going to wrap it up here in just a couple minutes. I have one question for you, and then I want you to I want you to give us some some lasting thoughts here. But you're from Minnesota. Yes. Is Purple Rain the greatest song ever? Uh, I would have to go with. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to say yes. You can. No. I'm just going to ask everyone that because. <laughs> Do you know how much I love Prince? I yes. I love him. How Who can doesn't? I not? I know. Like how can I? I'm from Minnesota. I bathed in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> yeah, right. his his passing was one of those. I I normally don't get any. I don't really have much emotional response to people who pass away that are obviously I don't know that are famous in some degree. And probably because when I was a child, Elvis passed away, and my parents cried, and so I kind of got used to that early on. Like, yeah. okay, you know, my my favorites are gonna pass away, and mm -hmm. over time. But when Prince passed away. It was, I had a weird feeling. I had, I really felt a loss. And I, and I don't know where that came from. I mean, obviously, yes, we all listen to Prince and Prince was huge. And any, anyone that's Generation X grew up with Purple Rain. Ooh, so there is a, there is a part of our childhood there. But I think it's, there was more than that there. And, and I, what I loved about Prince more than, I don't know, most other musicians is in, and I wrote about this in, a long time ago in blog about Highway to Well, but Purple Rain, if you watch the movie and you watch the end and you see all the, the stuff that has led to him being on stage at the very end playing Purple Rain, the song that you know his, co his, his partners brought to him and he kept dismissing it because he didn't write it. But when he got to a point where he got over himself and realized how beautiful his music was and he started playing it, and he added his guitar solo, and you look at the audience, and this is the 80s. Mm -hmm. and the audience was so culturally diverse, and there were in 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 different ways. It wasn't just race, but there were in gender and, and Fashion, probably everything, yeah, yeah. And sexual preference. There was a, a massive amount of different people because Prince being from Minneapolis, which has always been a multicultural haven, you know, in, in a lot of ways and a great city. But um, here it was right in front of us, a lesson for all of us to learn about the beauty of music, but his passion in playing it, but also that we can all, throughout all of our differences, we can all still get along and try to achieve great things. I, I've seen that movie, first of all, and the movie's great, right? I've seen it a bunch of times, and uh, I've attended First Ave a bunch of times, too, so that's another kicked a little bit of prompt to Prince, my man. But how sweet, like, I'm going to go back to this, but, like, how sweet was he just in, like, he always had, like, Victoria, like, he always had, like, Victoria houses and just, like, cool, like, fashion and cars and girls, and he was just a trendsetter, man. He just really was. And, I mean, what it comes down to is Purple Rain and we could have a whole discussion on this 2D, but I like to really talk about egos and arrogancy where in order to learn, you need to put everything aside. Like, and there is nobody like, I don't know shit 
about what we're dealing with right now in life. All I want to do is keep learning and be a good person. That's what it comes down to, right? And that's what I think you were you were explaining with him and his, you know, his writers of Purple Rain while he sat on that stage and he kind of said or thought to himself, if I could use some help or if somebody could help me, I could be this much better. And that's kind of where um, I think this world right now is just really in depth with uh, just kind of doing things their way. And we want to make sure that uh, people are just trying to be progressive and successful. Yeah. When we cross over lanes and we help help each other out, that's, that's what the highway to well is all about. So James, thank you. We appreciate you being here and look thank forward you, to experiencing um, continual progress to get myself into a better overhead squat position and possibly even do a proper squat snatch like sometime it. in my life. It looks, it sounds great. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll talk to you again soon. That was the end of our third episode of Highway to Well. James Jernsberg from Fitternal CrossFit, Stevens Point. See you around. Thank you, G. Thank you, Highway to Well.